with you. Uh, wow, what a, uh, what a special thing we had last night. And like Tyler said, uh, it is a little bit odd to look at this room with these chairs set up. Like uh, It's sort of like te- a Tetris game. The blocks are coming in. I'm hoping that you know week after week or however long it takes, we can start to move these things in and, and get closer. But good to be with you. I know that uh, many of you are watching online, and we, we want to encourage you. If, if that's where you feel most comfortable, just totally enjoy that and continue to meet in that way. And the house churches continue to meet. We're going to... Uh, uh, not stop any of what we're doing uh, in terms of communicating and the way we're doing it. But uh, as these RSVP opportunities uh, increase, we'll increase uh, what we can do here. So uh, stay tuned, check our website, and uh, find out what's going on there weekly because things seem to change uh, pretty frequently. So uh, again, welcome. I, I, uh, I, I want to be honest about how I feel about this whole this whole thing and, and the, the changes that we're going through and as we welcome our uh, summer guests back into Crested Butte, it just, it feels really strange. And I, uh, Claire had noticed, she said, Claire, Scott, what's, what's bothering you? You know, are you okay? You know, recently, this last week in particular, and um, I didn't, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. I, I still really can't. I was waking up in the middle of the night and just uh, in the end, I, I guess uh, I really, I have a hard time maybe expressing my feelings, um, but I have feelings about this. <laughs> and that may be the best I can say. We were, Claire and I had the privilege of uh, joining some friends who just bought some property right up under the upper loop. And so they took a whole group up uh, onto a little meadow and we're looking back across Crested Butte and out towards Paradise and up Washington Gulch and all, we could see up all the valleys and sun was setting, and it was beautiful, and we got to enjoy this little private concert. It was just amazing up there, and I felt this sense of just sort of melting into the chair and relieving, this sense of tension relieving, just listening to the music, and that's when I realized that there was much more going on inside of me than I had maybe thought, and so I don't, I don't know where you are, uh, but I just want to let you know where I'm at as I come and, and share this with you. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a detour from our series. We've been in this series where we're looking at the prophets, and we called it disruption, and the, in each of the situations that the prophets enter into from the Hebrew Scripture, there are hard things going on with the Hebrew people, and we want to see, and we've wanted to see how they have dealt with that in their own personal lives and the message that they delivered and what we can learn from it in our own disruption today. We're going to set that aside. We're going to come back to it a little later in the summer, but uh, what's just been pressing on my heart and the heart of our uh, leadership team is to is to huddle around Jesus and hear what he has to say. Just go directly to the Lord's lips and see what his message is to us. And so uh, the place that one of the places in the scripture that I think is most uh, appropriate for that is to look at Matthew 5 and 6, that Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Jesus draws his disciples, these new disciples, it's relatively early in his ministry, and he pulls them up and he pulls up the crowd and he, and he asks them to gather around him on the mountainside. And the way I picture that is just Jesus on a little bit above those folks where he can be seen and them all sitting down below 
but close to him in hearing his words as he teaches them uh, both encouraging things, really beautiful things, things that we remember today uh, that, are, that are just poignant and resonate with us. And then also he says some hard things, and this is the message today, I think, is one of those. Um, very simple and very touching to us, but also has some significant implications in our lives that causes us to look deeply at who we are and what it means to follow him in a significant way. Uh, so Holden read that to us just a moment ago, and thank you, Holden, for that. I uh, wish I could see you here face-to-face right now reading that, but it's okay. Uh, whenever we're in moments like uh, we are, uh, anytime there is, well, whether we're in times of uncertainty or not, the place that we continually want to go is back to the Scripture and say, okay, what does Jesus tell us? What does the Word of God tell us about how to live? And so today, if you will with me, just let's huddle up around Jesus, let's listen to his words, and uh, honestly, you may take it very differently than how I did uh, and how I'm going to present it to you. Listen to these simple sentences that Jesus provides in Matthew 5, starting in 13, and and internalize them. Let, them. let the word of God work on your heart. Jesus is going to use some metaphors to describe what his followers are like. He's going to say real direct things. And we want, to pull, uh, we want to pull from that as much truth as we possibly can. Uh, he's going to call us, he's going to call those people that were huddled around him on the side of that mountain, uh, he's going to call salt and light. Those are his two metaphors. Um, and so we're going to take time with those this morning. And I want to I want to point out to you uh, this. This is this is probably the this is this is where I'm going. Uh, people who follow Jesus, Christians who follow Jesus, because we're salt and light, should be useful and helpful and desirable in their communities, in their relationships, in their families, and the end result of the fact that we're useful to them, that we're desirable as people who bring peace and truth and goodness to our friends and communities. The result of that is that we would be directing those people, the people around us, directly to Jesus. So that's where we're headed. That's the bottom line of all this. I think that's what Jesus is saying. But three points that I want to take you through in this outline, and I think Jesus almost has it outlined like this as well. I'm just following his lead in this. Uh, Salt in cities and lamps. Salt, cities, and lamps. So uh, in each of these uh, metaphors that Jesus uses, try to take it very personally. Uh, He says, you are salt. You are salt. Salt. So each of us, there's about six people in this room right now. So I'm just speaking to us and myself and all of you who are watching on the camera. You are salt. So what does that mean? If we're huddled around Jesus and he says, you are salt. I think, number one, this is an amazing way for him to teach. He is trying to leave the, uh, no degree of ambiguity. You are salt. So when he said that in that era, what did it mean? We have to extract ourselves from how we see salt 
and go back and say, okay, how, how did they hear those words? Is those people out in nature, sitting in the flowers or on the, in the, the gravel and rocks, looking at him, how did they hear him in that day? So uh, one of the things we need to, to notice first is what he doesn't say. He doesn't say you're diamonds. He doesn't say you're the ocean. He doesn't say you're a mountain. You know, he, let's clear away all the things we might want to hear and listen to exactly what he says. And this theme is going to carry throughout all three of these points that he makes for us. He says, you are very basic. You are common. You are normal. Just salt. You are the salt of the earth. Let me, let me uh, read that to you. This is uh, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of of the earth. Very common, very basic. But there's a couple of aspects that those people would have heard that would have reinforced how basic but essential salt was to them. So first, uh, in, I guess in our lingo, uh, it would have been, he would have been saying, you are the refrigerators, you are the ice boxes, you are the preser- food preserving uh, tool that uh, that is, is common to our community. So I can barely imagine living without a refrigerator. It just doesn't seem like poss- a possibility. But these people heard that, and, and they heard salt, which was the preservative that they used uh, in many aspects of food, like fish and meat. All, uh, and in fact, this is just in fish is a form of meat. So um, don't be confused. Uh, I was testing you. No, uh, fish... Any kind of meat is, is preserved with salt. And so they would keep that uh, in storage and use it over time. And so uh, when he said that, they went straight to that idea. Salt is an important preservative for us. It's something we have to have in order to feed ourselves over a long period of time. And the, the, in other words, it's very basic, very simple. And then second... Salt brings flavor. And this is the main aspect that Jesus was referring to. Uh, you know, I think salt is probably the most common thing that throughout history that we know of where people want to flavor their food. So here is, uh, here is Jesus saying, you are something very simple, very basic, that brings flavor, that, brings, that enhances what might have otherwise been very normal right, uh, would, would not have had the kind of flavor you'd expect. And this is where this becomes very convicting to me because it, uh, it wouldn't be uncommon for me to sit down at a meal and say, oh, I just want to add a little bit of salt to make this meal taste better. But how often in our community is it said, or something like this said, wow, all right, what we really need in this environment to help us solve this problem, to make this thing work better, is we just need a few more Christians to make this just right. I mean, that just doesn't get said. Um, and I'm, you know, while we're gathered, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, I, I wish... Is is good, I think, a reputation as Obi Joyful and the people of Obi Joyful have in our community. Um, I don't know that in this time of trouble that people thought, 
Let's turn to Christians. Let's turn to Obi Joyful. Let's turn to people who know Jesus to help us in this time. Uh, and so I have to evaluate, you know, I have to personally say, okay, to what extent are we seen as salt? Uh, the Barna Group did research a few years ago, and uh, one of the things that came out of it was they said, well, w- the question was something like, um, how secular community do you see Christians? And the, there were two answers that prevailed over all others. And one is that uh, Christians are seen as either extreme or irrelevant. Um, I feel like there's some middle ground there, somewhere that we could find. And uh, Jesus is saying, you're salt. This is who you are. But he also, so that's an encouraging thing to me. Um, I don't have to be sparkling. I don't have to be special. I don't have to be, uh, we're not called to be something um, out just... uh, over the top for him. He's just saying, you're basic salt. But then he says the hard truth about salt. This is in uh, 13 as well. He says, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So uh, I don't think he's saying that we're... Useless. We can never become salty or, or uh, bring, bring goodness to our community again. But he, he is saying, let's remember who you are. Remember who you are, people. As you're listening to me, you're salt. So uh, let me ask you this. Is your faith in Jesus, the fact that you follow Jesus, being seen as meaningful and helpful and bringing flavor to your family, to your friends, and to your community because you are salt? We have to answer that question. All right, so salt cities. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Jesus calls his followers cities set on a hill. But before he does that, he says one other thing, and I want to bring that to you because it's so important. Look at 14. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let's think about this for a minute. You are the light of the world. And as I was meditating on that and thinking about what Jesus meant when he said it, it just drew me back to all that's said, especially in the book of John, about Jesus being light. And in John 8, verse 12, listen to what Jesus says of himself. Again, Jesus spoke to them and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says about himself, I am the light of the world. And then he comes back and he says this to his followers, to his disciples. He says, you are the light of the world. Okay, salt is important. We need salt. They needed salt and they understood that. But salt may be optional compared to light. Light is essential. And the light of the world, the, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, is, uh, which is the light, is even more essential than that. I, and for him to hand that uh, responsibility, that gift off to us, to his followers, is such a treasure for him to just say, look, this is who I am, 
and I'm handing this off to you at the same level. You are now the light of the world. Uh, That's a powerful mantle to be handed off to me and to you if you're a follower of Jesus. It's really uh, kind of the ultimate leadership handoff. I mean, he is just one-to-one handing off this incredible responsibility and, and privilege to believers. You're salt and you're the light of the world. But he uses cities to illustrate this he, because they could picture a city on a hill. And that's not something that we typically see. We think about, um, you know, cities back then were set on hills uh, for security. And uh, so in, in particular, and since we don't really see that when I think of a city, I could think of Crested Butte, I could think of, of Gunnison or Grand Junction, Delta, uh, Dallas, you know, getting bigger, you know, Oklahoma City, whatever. These are big places, but they're spread out over uh, large areas of land, and they're not necessarily up on a hill. Um, and I hadn't really seen that, and, and those of you who've been to Europe before, well, you know, you've thought about this, but, you know, the fact that uh, you can go there and see these medieval cities uh, built on hills is uh, a, a reminder of exactly what Jesus was saying. And I had the privilege of being in, in France a few years ago and riding uh, in, in the mountains. And I remember coming over this saddle and, and looking down in this big valley of lavender. And there were these two hills in the valley. And on top of both of these hills were, uh, were cities built. And they're, they're not huge, but they were, you could see the little out, how, the houses outside of, I almost said that you could see the outhouses is that what? I don't think that's what they were. Um, little buildings outside of the walls, but then these walls came out of the ground and lifted and um, provided this idea of security in, in a place where you could go to find resources to get what you need to live. And so immediately the group of us that were up on top of that saddle were like, oh, we're going to both of those places. So we rode down through the lavender and back up into those hills and, uh, and spent time in those towns. And uh, it was... It was cool. It was, it was like when we were up there, when looking down across the, this valley at these, at these two places, it was like they drew us in. We were like, okay, it's going to be great to go through that, those fields of lavender, but what's going to be gr- really cool is to go up through the gates of that town and get inside that and see what that's like and see who lives there. Uh, and had we been able to see it at night, I'm sure it would have been even more attractive and beautiful to see the little lights off in the distance in those places. When Jesus said that to those people that were gathered around him, they could picture the city with a little bit of light coming out of it from the hill. We, We don't see that, but we need to put ourselves in their place and understand that what he was saying is that they would look and see an attractive place, a place that they would want to go for protection, for security, for comfort, for warmth, for resources that they needed. And so again, Jesus is saying, Christians, you're important. What you bring is something very basic, salt and light. And I'm handing off to you this incredible mantle of responsibility to bring the truth of of who I am to people. And who I am, Jesus says, is I am light. Uh, The way Jesus describes uh, this as we go forward is is lamps, right? He he says you're you're, um, salt and you're light. You're, You're a city set on a hill. But then he takes that light kind of indoors, and he says, you are also a lamp. And let me read to you this passage from, th- from verse 15. 
People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone who's in the house. Uh, If you've ever seen the kind of lamp that they had in those days, especially just common people, they were just little tiny clay lamps. They had oil in them and a little wick that just lit. And so basically a candle, a candle. And if they were wealthy enough, they had more than one of these little tiny lamps. And so that little lamp would give light to whoever was inside the room in the house. You know, we have to get in touch with that image because that's what they were thinking of. If you can just imagine your house in darkness with one little candle lit on one of those dark nights when the moon is gone and it's pitch black, this little tiny candle lighting the room. We take light for granted. I mean, I'm surrounded by amazing technology and lights right now. And it's so easy. We just flip on the switch and we adjust it from some neat controls back there. And uh, For them, light was a different thing. It wasn't something to be taken for granted. It was one of those essential but simple things that was so important. And I can't imagine, as I said before, living without being able to flip a light on or see and experience what God has provided in light. Uh, So this idea of, of being a lamp, Jesus describes in a couple of ways, and I want you to see it in verse 15. He says, people don't put light under a basket. They don't cover it up. It would be pointless to cover it. But he says, they put it on a stand. And the reason that the the little tiny lamp would be put on a stand is so that it would give light to the whole room. So if you just think about that and what what it means to you to be a lamp in a room that brings light, we're bringing goodness. And here's here's really the key in that phrase. He says, this light is brought to all. It's for all who are in the room. I'll be honest with you, it is, there are times when I do not want to engage uh, the fact that I am, have, have been given this re- responsibility and privilege of being the light of Christ. I just want to put that in my pocket and just pass by people. Um, but what he said is, is it's, this isn't just for your favorites, This is for, and you can go look at it, but it says this is light to all who are in the house. This is for everybody. Uh, This light is a gift. It's something to be given. Uh, It's not something uh, that we use to provide judgment for other people. Uh, I think that's where that Barna Group research convicts me, is that a lot of times Christians are known as those who are extreme and want to bring the light of their perfection and uh, gloriousness to expose what is wrong with other people. Instead, he's suggesting, no, we're bringing the goodness and the warmth and the welcoming power of light, like light coming out of the windows in a town on a hill would attract others and and draw them towards himself. Uh, I want to show you a, uh, a picture if you could throw that up, Luray. This is a 
a picture that we used for one of our ads in the Crested Butte magazine. And by the way, you might want to go check out our latest ad in the Crested Butte magazine. It's pretty cool. Uh, but uh, this one is a picture that as soon as I saw it, it this is, uh, I think, a Trent Bona picture. And it's, as you can see, I think it's taken over in Fruta, big bonfire with camp chairs around it and bikes around that. And you can just see this is that evening after a ride and everybody's hanging out. And the way I picture this is just almost exactly like the point of view of the picture is that I would love for the people of Crested Butte and the people that you're around in your own communities to walk by and, and see what's happening. Look inside these windows. Look inside the windows of your house. Look inside the windows of your small groups, of your family, uh, of your friends, and look over. And what they would see is a connection, uh, an open chair in this warm fire that's just drawing them to itself. Uh, there's just, there's just something about that picture I love. And it just, if, I, if I remember that, I think, okay, Scott, you're salt. You're, you and your friends who are believers are salt, you're light, and you're, you're, you want to always leave that open chair. If you look at the picture, you'll see it. Um, for folks to come and say, hey, I'd like to be a part of that. I'd like to see what that's like. I'd like to feel the warmth of that fire. And really, that takes us to our last point. Uh, and, and I want to conclude with this. Uh, if we're salt and we're light, the light of Christ, we're cities set on a hill, if we're lamps to bring the goodness of light to others, uh, then Jesus says at the end of this in verse 16, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The point of the light isn't to draw attention to ourselves in any way. The point of the light is to illuminate who Jesus is, to point to him, to point to the Father, and, uh, well, I mean, when I'm thinking about my mission, when I'm thinking about the mission of, of Christians in Crested Butte, of all of, the, of you who are going to be here and be spending time walking up and down Elk, out on the trails, wherever you are, uh, in restaurants, could it not be that we are like that fire that's just uh, so warm and encouraging? And it doesn't draw attention to ourselves, but it just allows people around us to see Jesus and that's the point of it. Um, I'm going pr- to pray now as our band comes back up and just ask that, uh, that that's who we would be. That would be the result of the light that we shine. God, uh, may we see ourselves as essential uh, things to our community, but not as special to them, but as things that, that point them to you. And in that, Lord, so important. We're salt, light, um, cities on a hill. And uh, what an honor to be called, like you, the light of the world. Um, Let the words of this song that we're going to sing resonate with us. Uh, Thank you for, for giving us the community that we have in you in this town. And it is in Jesus' name we pray.